This episode is brought to you by Paraswap, the leading aggregator to find best prices across various DEXs. You'll hear more about them later in the show. To me, the most interesting things in this industry are going to be the games. If you're looking at Web3 gaming with NFTs, those are going to be the big winners. Hey everyone, quick reminder, nothing said on Empire is a recommendation to buy or sell securities or tokens. This podcast is for informational purposes only, and any views expressed by anyone on the show are solely our opinions, not financial advice. Santiago and I and our guests may hold positions in the companies, funds, or projects discussed. Now, let's get into the show. All right, everybody. Got a special little guest here today. We've got uh, Justin Kahn. You guys might know him from uh, Justin of Justin TV, uh, but also as the co-founder of Twitch, uh, which he sold for uh, a couple million bucks. I think the actual number is like 970 to Amazon, which we're going to talk a little bit about. Uh, But really, we brought him on not to talk about Twitch, but to talk about something that I think is 10 times more exciting than Twitch, which is uh, Fractal. It's a marketplace that he just launched selling in-game assets as nfts justin my friend welcome to uh empire what's up thanks for having me here we're gonna, obviously going to talk about your in-game nfts and fractal and all, all that stuff but actually the first thing i wanted to ask you is just uh dude you sold this company for like almost a billion dollars you could chill on an island forever before talking crypto let's talk about just why you jumped back into the founder seat why you why you put yourself through this again i'm curious to uh curious to hear where that spark came from yeah, well, I started a lot of companies since uh, starting Twitch. Most of them haven't worked out in that same capacity. Um, but uh, I remember I, I we like tried lo- selling uh, we tried selling Atrium a sponsorship one time. Like, this is uh, <laughs> yeah. I want to get them as a sponsor for an event, but it didn't work out. But um, you know, I, I like I just like making stuff and learning about um, about new industries and new products. And so for me, entrepreneurship is a way to express some creativity and learn about something new and. You know, I, I like to, I like to do something. You know, so I've had my fair share of very nice beach time, but at the end of the day, just like, you know, I want to build stuff. I won't talk about this for two percent of this conversation, but I'm actually just curious. I'm like founder to founder. I'm just curious what happened, like when you sold Twitch, and then you're like, you see that wire come through, and you're like, all right, you did you hit the beach, or you, obviously there's like offboarding time, but what happened? Like when we sold it, I didn't have to go with the company. So I like was a non-continuing employee, which um, so I was like basically hanging out for a while. And then we, I actually joined Y Combinator and I was investing full time uh, at, at YC as a partner. And um, but outside of that, like, what did you do? Like, in, what did I do in terms of like, did I kind of like go apeshit and spend a lot of money? I guess I... Um, you know, I kind of maybe it's all relative. Like I bought a, a car, uh, I bought a G wagon. That was like my first uh, car that I ever purchased, actually. Um, so that's kind of like an expensive car, I guess. And then I bought a house, which in, is probably an expensive house for almost everyone in the country. But in San Francisco, it was like three condos, you know. And uh, I moved into one condo that was like whatever. 1200 square feet and then my i moved my brothers into beneath me so that was my extravagant expenditure and i had like a little bit of a i used it as like a home office where like people would come over and like hack on projects so i don't know it wasn't that it wasn't that ridiculous you know i didn't start i didn't buy private jet or anything just a bunch of punks and apes (laughs) yeah at what point did you kind of discover crypto and when did it pique your interest um and how has your journey been over the years 
Yeah. So the first time I really, I mean, I think I'd heard about it on Hacker News, right? Like about Bitcoin on Hacker News since, you know, probably 2009 or 10, right? And then in 2013, I remember I tried to invest in Coinbase, uh, but the seed round was full. And so I ended up buying Bitcoin on Coinbase instead. And it immediately crashed. This was like when it was the, this kind of first hype around it where it was like got to 800 per Bitcoin. And I was like, oh my God, I should invest in this because I've been like kind of following it for a little bit. So I bought a bunch of Bitcoin and then it crashed. And then I was like, I'm, an, I'm the bag holder, you know, um, uh, I'm an idiot. So I was like, I kind of just forgot about it. I just like held it and forgot about it. And then I, um, you know, I remember in 2016 and 17, like Ethereum was a kind of like a thing, was becoming a thing. And then I realized like, I don't know, I'm not like tracking this crypto space enough to like really understand what is going to work. Like even though we'd had invested in a couple crypto companies and protocols and, and Y Combinator, like, you know, invested in uh, Filecoin, like in protocol labs, like we didn't, like I was, wasn't really paying attention to what was happening in that that same way that I was with like the rest of tech. And so uh, I invested in a couple funds, like crypto funds, like uh, Polychain being one of them. And then uh, promptly like also forgot about it for years. And then I was also, I, you know, I was also interested. I, I kind of like became an advisor to a few projects that wanted my help more on the like consumer side, um, like Audius and um, Theta was one. And then but I, you know, at the same time, I was like deeply skeptical because I was thinking to myself, like, I don't know if you could build a consumer application in the same way that we built Twitch, you know, like, could you build a consumer application that had like a high throughput of transactions that were all that were in a decentralized way? And I was kind of like, I don't think so. And um, so like, while I was still kind of tracking it, I wasn't like really red pilled, you know, and I was like holding, I was an investor, but I wasn't like really like, I wasn't like a really a true believer. And then what happened was, about a year ago, or maybe like a little over a year ago, I finally kind of took another look. And I remember looking at Audius and they have this fully decentralized app. And I was like, oh, it like works, you know? Um, they created an app that where you don't have to really know anything about crypto to use it. And that was really interesting to me as like someone who builds consumer apps. And then I, at the same time, had, um, I have a friend, a couple of friends who started this protocol called Brain Trust, which is like a freelancer marketplace. And for the longest time, I was asking them, like, why does it need to be crypto? Like, this could be, um, uh, the, like, there's a centralized application, like, Upwork, and it works fine, right? They kind of explained that this was a way to incentivize a large population in this market to, like, ape into something and, like, get involved. And that kind of, like, made the light bulb go off for me. And so those two things made me really interested in building in the space. And that I would say that that's when I was like kind of fully red-pilled was only like a year ago, even though I've been holding crypto for mm -hmm. a long time. Yeah, Justin, candidly, like I don't blame you. I, th I think like over the years, it, it has been until very recently where we, we didn't really have a lot of consumer-facing applications that had real traction. I think Axie Infinity really was an eye-opening experience for a lot of people, proving out at least the gaming vertical play to earn. Um, you know, obviously, like you built Twitch, had millions of users. Um, it had a great outcome. Um, now, I've heard you talk about and say, you know, gaming and NFTs are way bigger or can be way bigger. And, you know, I think for a long time, I was also investing kind of in the Valley. Every single fund back in the day, I started in 2012 and like 2014, 2015, it was like, you know, it was crickets. No one wanted to touch this stuff. Uh, I'm talking about the Sequoias of the world, 
client of the world, like everyone was so skeptical of crypto. And I think much like your journey, it's been really like this last year where people have now, you know, really embraced this. Uh, and to what do you attribute that to? Is it really NFTs? Is it really gaming? Is it COVID? Like, um, and where do you see kind of this space going over the next six, 12 months, three to five years? Like what's kind of your, your, your thesis on that? I kind of think it had to unfold like this, right? Like there's, there's, it's both technological improvements in the space, but it's also like crypto is, um, a movement or like it's a, like a philosophy or psychology or like a group, you know, like people accepting it, right? Like there's this whole NFT movement has been really people accepting that something has value online. Like there's a certain type of value and they like, it's if, if enough, you know, what is value like in economic value, it's like two people or like a market of people believe that something is worth something, right? Like, uh, you can say the same thing about Pokemon cards or magic cards or something like that. Like, you know, um, before the release of magic cards, like the idea that these would be have like enduring value would be like people would be very skeptical, right? If you told them that, and then like obviously once there were enough people who were interested in it and motivated to to hold these assets, then they became something of value. And now you have like you know people are opening packs of trading cards that are you know like hundreds of thousand dollars or whatever. And so um, you know I think uh, crypto is the same way where you've had like more and more people embrace that there's you know, value here in these assets and that has created a market. And at the same time, you had a technological improvement over time and example applications that have made it possible for like people like me to be inspired of like, oh, there could be something there, right? right. So, you know, like the DeFi thing, I wasn't really interested in DeFi very much, but there are all these applications, right? That kind of work even, you know, because there's so the stakes are so high, like the amount of money moving around is so high that like paying a transaction fee, that's whatever, hundred dollars in Ethereum gas or whatever, and and waiting thirty minutes like is not the end of the world, right? And so um, you know there are these. I think in the last couple of years, this suite of DeFi applications coming out has been the, you know, in a way, it's like been inspiration for all these now like maybe more mainstream or consumer applications, including NFTs. Yeah, I think like if I remember, like Twitch really was one of those things that a lot of people were skeptical as well. Like, why would other people want to see other people like stream and play? And, and lo and behold, obviously it became a huge market and, uh, and I, you know, you kind of created a category in many ways. And I think NFTs are doing that for people, especially for artists that are realizing, Hey, we can circumvent all these galleries and just be discovered. And this is a notion of digital property rights, um, and the reach that you have with the internet. And so I'm curious, like if you were to build Twitch again today and knowing what you know about crypto and where things are, what would you do differently? Yeah, so I think crypto, you know, Twitch would obviously be a decentralized project in some way today. Um, I think it wouldn't necessarily be like the infrastructure, like I don't necessarily think that like you need to make the streaming part of it decentralized or the infrastructure, although you could, but I think it's more importantly, you would create some sort of decentralization around the ownership and economy that powers Twitch, right? Twitch has this concept of bits and people are like buying things and buying, buying, basically virtual currency and donating it to the to the users and it's a closed system right but like what's interesting about um crypto is like i think when you when you make this an open system you can create all there's like all these different kinds of apps and economy can emerge on top of it that you never really expected and it can be a much much more robust economy and the way that crypto you know projects do it is they kind of invert 
the ownership model, right? So like instead of like owning equity in some company or whatever, and then being incentivized to be a gatekeeper and like taxing this, you know, toll road that you create, like you're like owning some treasury in this in this token, you distribute the rest of it to like the people who make the project happen, like the people who make the marketplace, like in the, in the case of Twitch, it might be the streamers or early viewers. And then, um, you know, you benefit if like this becomes like a thriving economy. And so I think that, you know, in, in the early days of Twitch, there were all these different like apps that were built on top of Twitch, including like tipping apps and donation apps and stuff like that, that are all like gone because like they replaced it with a first party thing, you know? And so um, I think they, that, you know, like making something a decentralized project kind of mirrors more the days of the early web where, um, you know, it's much more of an open ecosystem and you're incentivized to build an open e ecosystem. And, and to me, that's what's really interesting and compelling about it. And then that you can be justly rewarded for that today. Mm -hmm. you know? Would you think that the, the economics for uh, creators, live streamers would be different? Um, I think, you know, the equilibrium point, the answer is probably no, because like, What's effectively happening is you're paying for attention and like you're monetizing that attention and it's really up to like what do the people want to give you like what are the what are the end viewers want to donate right what are they willing to um although like maybe there's some sort of inversion like with nfts and, and kind of artists where it turns out there's a lot more people willing to give when it's like a certain type of thing that they're getting in return for it right but but like, let's say, like, I don't know what that would be. So like, if it's the same model as Twitch right now, I think the equilibrium point would be no. But the in the early days, you know, you could have imagined an incentive model where the early people would have gotten some sort of like token that would have grown in the, you know, in the case that this is a successful community, right? Which they, they didn't get. They got, there were other benefits to being early to Twitch and that, you know, maybe you were able to aggregate an audience early and it was easier earlier, but um, you know, they didn't really have that enduring like equity value in the in the project. Yeah, although to be fair, I mean, I think Twitch was farther along the spectrum of a more equitable. Uh, well, uh, yeah, just to be clear, Twitch has like lost money over time, right? So, like, Twitch itself right. is effectively they have the 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 streamers have been the primary beneficiaries of Twitch on a yeah. like cash flow basis, right? Right, but like it, obviously the equity value of Twitch was like held by at first the founders and the investors and then Amazon, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, that's what I was alluding to. I, I think as it relates to like a lot of the criticism that of Web2 apps is that a lot of this value, like YouTube, for instance, a lot of these influencers, like there's huge marketing spend going to these platforms, but it, it, the share that these creators get is de minimis, relatively speaking, to what you can get in Web3. Now, Twitch, I think, was farther along that spectrum where you right. actually, as you alluded to, share, like you were closer to what a Web3 app today looks <laughs> yeah. like than what a Web2 kind of like traditional kind of company like Facebook or Twitter or, you know, YouTube. That's right. That's right. But I mean, there's still like the, you know, the idea behind this Twitch equity being worth a lot. And obviously it's a private company inside of Amazon, so you don't really know what it's worth. Like the idea behind that though, is that like it will be worth something in the future because you can exercise your monopoly power, right? On like this Twitch community, yeah. When I think about what the big Web two, like what is Web two, right? Web two, in my mind, in one sentence, is just the is just creating a, companies that created a marketplace or aggregated a marketplace and then grew it to be really really large, created a moat with user growth, network effects, and then basically made money by rent seeking, right? And so I think when we think about like Web, so you is all these marketplace businesses, whether it's like Uber or Lyft or uh, Airbnb or eBay or whatever it may be, it's all these marketplace businesses. And I think the dream of Web3 is like, all right, Web3 is really just about changing incentive mechanisms 
And we're like, all right, we're going to change these incentive mechanisms. It's going to be a fairer world. We're talking about Twitch and these streamers make more money maybe. But when I look at Web3 businesses, it's like, who's made, what are all the big businesses? It's marketplaces again. It's like Coinbase and Binance and FTX and now OpenSea. And even with you guys, you're creating a marketplace, right? So like how much of the, these like, how much of the Web3 businesses do you think will, how much are things going to change really? Yeah, well, I think that the, the, end goal is something that's like looks better for the consumers right like i um i feel like they you know there there are decentralized players in these marketplaces and like those will will, you know we'll kind of see what happens in terms of like do the do the marketplaces end up ultimately being decentralized or or not um but i think that like the difference is that there's like just a greater like participation ability to participate from like the um, in the, from, from the user base, you know, like they're able to participate, maybe not like right now in the, um, in the marketplace companies themselves, but like in the growth of the assets, uh, which is like incentivizing people to come in. But I mean, I don't know. I guess that's a good question. Like on whether, like, will it just be like centralized companies like Coinbase and OpenSea that are like the kind of like the owners of, of web three again? Um, I think that's a, that's a like a legitimate concern actually. When I think about Twitch, Twitch's business model, Twitch solved two problems for streamers. Like Twitch was all about the streamer and Twitch solved two, two problems in my mind. One is it gave them more streamers and like it gave, it gave them an audience, which is great. And then, no. but an audience isn't good unless you can pay the bills. So it gave streamers an audience and it gave them money, right? right. When you think about Fractal, what is that? problem first off who is the streamer in your mind who is the who is who are we solving the problem for and then what is that problem yeah i think our goal is you know we're solving the 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 game company's problem right like we think of the game company as our streamer we love game companies the game companies are people who are creating the content and so we think of like the game developer and when we started the company we just went and interviewed every game developer we knew or was building like a blockchain game we said how can we make things better for you and uh, it was very similar to how we started twitch which was going to all the streamers and asking them what they needed, which it turned out, as you identified, was like the audience and, and money. And so, you know, the game developers want something similar. They want to reach an audience. They want to inform and educate an audience about like what their game is about and and how, you know, the crypto economics of behind their game work, how the economy works. Uh, so they want to access those players and then they want to be able to sell them, you know, into their game and, and um, get them engaged in their game. Uh, so, you know, when we think about Fractal and what we're doing, it's like really helping them do those things. Santiago is much deeper into games than I am, but like when I see just like the rhetoric on Twitter and things like that, and like just what media says about these gaming companies, especially like the TradFi gaming companies, it is anti-NFT, right? From an employee level to a C-suite level to the users. Um, but it sounds like your conversations are slightly different, perhaps. So what is what is what are those conversations looking like? We're talking to a, a people who are on the spectrum, like the whole spectrum, from already building a crypto game to maybe more of like a traditional uh, company, like gaming company that's interested in in, a, in crypto, um, you know, and, and like we're talking to the, this whole spectrum of people. And um, what people, you know, with the conversation, like obviously on one end, they're like red-pilled already and they want to like build a crypto game and they see it as better for themselves and for the users, you know? And so, and I think that's true. Like the reason why I think this will win as a business model for gaming, I think crypto will be the predominant business model of gaming for, for many games anyways. Uh, many types of games and the reason is because it's actually better for the both the players and the 
uh, and the game company at the end of the day. It's better for the players because it's an opportunity for the players to actually participate in the economic upside of the game and also retain the value of their assets, you know, the things that they earn in the game or pay, well, you know, buy in the game. You know, tens of billions of dollars are spent every year on in-game items. But like if you stop playing the game, you know, there's nothing. That's it. That's it. The That's the end. You know, or if the game like deprecates or shuts down or whatever, you don't have any like real ownership over this, these things. And I don't think necessarily that means people are going to want to play games to make money primarily. I think it's just that like there's going to be an economic component of like, okay, you spend a lot of time in this game and you retain some value. Maybe when you're done with it, you're like, just like you could trade in a game at GameStop like 20 years ago that you bought like on, you know, DVD or disc or whatever you know, you'll be able to like actually monetize your thing like when you exit this game now or if you need liquidity or whatever or or not, right? Like most people probably won't even care. Um, th so it's better for the players, I think. And then it's better for the game companies themselves. Um, I actually think at first it's kind of like a worse, like people are like, oh, it's a, it's a money grab or whatever. I think it's at, at first it could be like a lot of game companies will see it as a worse business model, um, you know, because they, these like they're putting this IP online, it's like on the blockchain, like anyone could just, you know, build an experience on top of their and interacting with their NFTs. And so there's like this loss of control that like, I think will be, you know, um, uncomfortable for big companies. But, you know, what they'll realize is like, when you build something that's an open ecosystem, that's when it can really take off and have like lasting durability beyond any one uh, person, right? And Ethereum is like the perfect example is obviously not a game, but like, you know, it's this huge ecosystem. And if you had been like, you know, if you're a Vitalik or something like that, holding a huge amount of Ethereum, then like you are a huge beneficiary of that ecosystem, right? And I think like these game companies with their sets of NFTs and their, you know, maybe token economy, if they, they build one, will be these beneficiaries of this, these, the open, open ecosystems and open economies that they create. You know, the, the, the smartest game companies in, in gaming NFTs are thinking of like their NFTs and and their their economy is IP. And they're like, we want other people to make stuff on top of our IP. You know, it's a complete inversion of the traditional media company model. And that's really cool because that, I mean, I think that's both smart and it's going to create a lot of economic value for them. But it's also like awesome because it creates all this remixability and, you know, programmability of, on top of their systems, which is like what the internet's all about. Yeah. I think on that, on that point, uh, well, there's a lot to unpack on gaming, which I, I love. And I, I think w one question for you is we talk a lot about like interoperability and composability and, and DeFi context and, and gaming. Like, I think the only studio that I can think of that kind of has done this to some extent is Nintendo, where you have some like Super Smash Brothers and it combined a lot of uh, games. You had Donkey Kong and Mario and Wario and, and, and like you could play this game. Um, but otherwise, and so it was like, but it was very much centralized and cohesive, like a game and people liked it. Um, but like, do you think it's, um, back to the point of like, you always want to build stuff that consumers want. And I am curious if you think that this is something that is going to be actually appreciated, but like, okay, you're playing Axie and then you can go ahead and play like another game in crypto. Yeah. I don't think they're going to connect in the same way of like, you can use this one sword and this other in every land you go to or something like that, like every metaverse you go to. I don't think it necessarily will look like that. I think, you know, there's a lot of skepticism about like composability or reusability in, in that way. I think it's much more likely that, you know, okay, so like I create a set of NFTs for my game. My game is successful, right? Like it's, you know, it's very successful. And then other developers are like, hey, I'm going to like, if you own an NFT in Justin's game, 
we're going to make it do something in our game because effectively that's like marketing to my users, right? Like it's an incentive to make my users like join their game. And at first I might be like, oh my God, like I don't want that. Like I want my users to retain in my game. But what I will realize is like, oh, I'm selling all these NFTs from, you know, my game and then they're being used in all these other people's games, which make them more valuable, like intrinsically more valuable. And so I think it will be look more like, you know, that's one way that it might happen. Another way is like, like, and we're doing that with this like, um, you know, fractal NFT. We created this NFT of you know that for fractal, it's a thousand, uh, sorry, a hundred thousand snowflakes that have unique attributes, and there are various people who are building games around or incorporating these NFTs in their game as a way to say, I want to get that fractal community excited about my game, right? So it's a win-win, and it's because it, and it's enabled by this open ecosystem. The, the fact that they're all on the blockchain, we can't even control if someone creates an experience around it, you know, anyways. So. Um, you know, we're, we're, that's one way. Another thing is like people are creating APIs, you know, for their NFTs or, you know, their digital assets to be used in other people's experiences. So, uh, you know, there's a company called Web and that's like a 2D pixel verse, like kind of metaverse that, you know, they're importing other avatars, like other PFP collections and like turning mm-hmm. them into sprites so that if you're a holder, you can use their, you know, bring your board ape or whatever into their Right. to their pixel verse. And so like, obviously there's going to have to be work done, but the incentive mm-hmm. to do that work yeah, yeah. to bridge these metaverses exists because it basically creates value for both parties, right? Empire is brought to you by Paraswap, which just reached a whole new level in the DeFi game. Paraswap started as a DEX aggregator, which for those who don't know, it's like a Google flights or an Expedia for swapping crypto. You would obviously never just go directly to an airline's website. Uh, Same thing with crypto. You would never go directly to an exchange uh, to trade or to swap. You'd go to Paraswap. Why? Because they aggregate liquidity from more than 60 different sources uh, to get you the best prices and the most efficient gas transactions. Now, Paraswap, obviously still the best aggregator out there, but now there's more. They now have staking, they have yield farming. Uh, There's this one feature that I love. Uh, It shows you exactly how much money Paraswap saved you on your last trade. They're now on five different blockchains. They've got Ethereum, Binance, Polygon. They recently added Avalanche and Phantom. So it's really simple. If you're an Empire listener, if you are new to DeFi or you're a power user of DeFi, really anybody, if you're dabbling in DeFi markets, you have got to try Paraswap. Their new staking and yield farming products are a game changer. They've taken DeFi to the next level with really one of the first mature DeFi products that I've ever seen. So head on over to paraswap.io. That is paraswap.io and start swapping, trading, staking, and so much more today. We've seen folks like Mark Pincus, you know, kind of elude and embrace this Web3 movement. He has a punk as his, you know, profile picture and what have you. And I've heard that he's interested in this space. Curious, do you think that traditional gaming companies, Activision, all this stuff, can actually make a transition and have a strategy in Web3? Or do you think that it's very difficult for someone like them to kind of pivot and adjust their business model to this new paradigm? And it's going to require more like just from scratch, building something new. Um, yeah, that's a, it's, I think it's exactly like free to play, you know, 14 years ago. So, you know, free play came out and people were like, this is a scam. <laughs> These games suck. It's like mafia wars and farm. Yeah. And everyone's like, what's going people on were like, here? this is a scam. These games suck. They're not real games. Real games will never play this kind of game. We want to pay up front. We don't want to be nickel and dime for every transaction. And now fast forward, you know, 14 years, you have free fire or, you know, Fortnite or, you know, all these games that are primarily free to play games. 
And then there's monetization in the game and they sell you digital assets inside the game, right? And, and players accept that, right? And what happened was, you know, and same with mobile, actually, it's like, you know, at first the entrance, because they were, there's an innovator's dilemma, right? You have an existing business model, you don't want to disrupt that. So you see game companies who, you know, traditional game companies like Ubisoft or something like that, they dip their toe in and then they get, you know, the community gets enraged and they're like, oh, never mind, never mind. But, um, you know, what happens is like the new entrants will be the first, you know, like new startups will have no innovators dilemma. They have nothing to lose. So they'll be the first ones to be very successful, like an Axie or something like that. And then what you'll have is like the traditional game companies will come in and they'll say like, hey, we have a lot of IP. We know how to build games. And so they'll figure it out, you know, like, and that's happened on mobile or, or with free to play, right? Like you have something like FIFA or whatever, that's like hugely dominant. And obviously they, they were kind of like EA is not, not wasn't like super early to the party, right? Or they'll buy, you know, like um, Activision, Blizzard buying King, you know? So they'll, they'll eventually, I think a huge amount of big company, you know, traditional gaming companies will have, you know, big properties in, in the blockchain game space because this will just be the new business model of every game. You had this tweet like maybe three weeks ago about Fortnite versus open Fortnite. Um, yeah. If you remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just kind of want to dig into like, why would a game studio switch over? Because if I'm looking at Fortnite's business right now, I'm like, you're doing five billion a year in revenue. You're you're doing pretty damn well, right? Yeah. So I don't think that you're 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 probably not going to switch over Fortnite, right? Itself, like you have this huge innovators demand for switching Fortnite, but you might switch. You might have a small, you know, stu- you might have a studio that you spin up that's just focused on blockchain games, and you might give them some IP for that's like a you know valuable IP to like see what they can do with it, right? And you were going to do that because the upside is, you know, is huge, right? Like it could be like, look at Axie Infinity. It's worth a couple billion dollars. You know, that's what they've raised at the private in private market valuations. And like they're, you know, so you could still have something of value. It's just a different business model, right? The model is like you're minting NFTs and holding, you know, NFTs and tokens instead of just your, you know, selling, uh, you know, digital skins, like it's not that different actually, but it, you know, maybe there's more of like a treasury model, but you still have this opportunity to make a huge amount of money if you create this robust open ecosystem. That basically it's actually create- very similar. It's actually a surprisingly similar model, right? And like right now, you've <laughs> yeah, got the Fort- so. Fortnite, you're creating these skins, you're making a 5 billion bucks a year in like web three or like open Fortnite, whatever you want to call it, just hypothetical. You're still creating skins. They're just called NFTs, but now you can have developers and gamers build things on top of those. And I think that's where it probably gets interesting. And then maybe Epic takes like a royalty on each of those NFTs or something of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like here's a basic example, like with fractal, you know, NFT, we like the first couple of weeks of fractal NFT, I think the first month, you know, we sold like, there was like, we gave this NFT collection away, right. We gave it away and we put a 7% royalty on it. And we, there was like $4 million of secondary transactions. Right. And so like we, for something that was free, we, it cost us probably about the amount that we took in royalties in that first month. But like, basically that was, there's a business model there where like actually we're, you know, we're generating revenue from like, a, you know, this, from this NFT asset. Right. And so I think that that's, it's not hard to imagine. And we're like nothing, right. It's just like a, you know, two month old startup with no like IP and no, no brand or anything yet. So you can imagine for like big companies that, that this can be an enduring model that is actually very valuable to them. And if they build something where, you know, people are looking to exchange and trade those NFTs and do different things with the NFTs. And that could be something that's, you know, really a valuable, durable revenue stream for them. Like look at all these NFT collection companies that aren't in gaming, right? Like a board ape or whatever, like mm-hmm. they're raising, in, you know, I think the news broke that they're 
think of raising money in the multi-billion dollars valuation from Andreessen. Yeah. And they've generated like, what, tens of millions of dollars in fees, if not like more than that now. I, I don't know. I'm not, I don't, I don't follow it. Or like something like Azuki, where they like became the number one collection in January. And they're like, you know, they generate like $50 million in fees. Like these are real comp media companies with real IP, with real durability in the you know, in the mall, like, it's not just that initial primary sale. It's like, if you create an incentive and reason why people want to hold this and they're transacting around it, then you can like, that can be a recurring revenue stream for you. I mean, if you don't think board apes are a real business, you probably also don't think Supreme is a real business, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's obviously it's a certain type of business and a lot of people like might not be, you know, there's a lot of class of investors who might not rate like this kind of like media or culture business, but like, it's definitely mm -hmm. a thing, you know, how, um, a lot of what we hear from, skepticism of people looking is like, okay, it's pretty impressive. Some like board ape in six months, you know, what they've done, make crypto relatable to so many people. A lot of new users are haven't touched crypto and it's their first experience and crypto for the first time is like relatable to people. And there's a reason to come into the space because people love collecting. It has felt like there's an influx of supply of all these different projects. Um, and a lot of it is speculative activity. I'm curious, like how you think about, the durability of some of these projects. Uh, you talk about IP. I think it's a, it's a fascinating concept of how to think about IP in a Web3 context, uh, in an open source kind of world. Uh, but I'm curious, like, what are your views, especially tying it to kind of Freckle, like how do you think about building a durable business um, and how to kind of play in this attention game? Ultimately, you know, it's super competitive, right? You're not only competing within Web3, but also Web2 and well-capitalized, probably more fluid from an execution perspective, companies that are a bit more centralized that can build kind of very beautiful games. And people love to, you know, at the end of the day, like from an attention perspective, would you want to play Call of Duty or Axie? Yeah, so I think, I mean, it's the same thing as all types of media, right? Like whether it's NFTs on OpenSea or NFT games or music or YouTube videos, there's like infinite people who want to make media. Right, like human beings are creative, like that people would love to have a creative pursuit as their job. So there's a long line of people who want to make media, and you're competing with this like huge, you know, tail of of uh, people who want want are vying for the user's attention. Right, and I don't think crypto games are any better or any worse. Um, you know, I think in terms of the quality of the games today, there's like you know, I think a lot of the games you know in the V1 were more like a little more like DeFi wrapped with like some graphics or something like that, whereas what you're starting to see now, what I'm seeing is like, there's so many different AAA developers who are now getting in the space who are more gaming first and then they're adding some sort of open economy on top of their game. And I think that's going to bolster the fun of the games, you know, but um, yeah, there's going to be, we're going to, we're going to see that transition happen over time. One thing that starts to, um, that's starting to, that uh, to happen is the financialization of NFTs. Right. And yeah. this feels like, um, this feels like it'll be pretty interesting and I feel like pretty uh, great for the industry in general is in, you know, just the ability, like if, if I want to buy a home and I have a bunch of Bitcoin, I used to be, have to sell that Bitcoin, but now I don't have to sell the Bitcoin because I can just like uh, take a loan out against the Bitcoin, which was really good for the market in general. I mean, not that I'm saying that's a good financial decision, but I can it's do a, it. It's a terrible uh, financial decision, but yes, you can do it. Uh, I can do it. So actually, all right. So now I'm going to change my question. Financialization of NFTs. It's, probably pretty good to create a, a financial market around these things a more liquid financial art market in general uh, just because the art market is so inefficiently financial um there are obviously downsides too right 
So what do you think about just like the financialization of NFTs, pros, cons? Where, where, where does this space head? Well, I think generally the financialization of NFTs is good. The financialization of, you know, of most things in the in the world is like something people want, right? And it and is is good because it provides them liquidity and optionality and like you know th- things that they can do with their thing. So you know, I, I like to think of it like the car, right? Like a hundred years ago, the uh, Ford created Model T, and then like you had to go and take cash and buy this car, right? And then. Fast forward 100 years, we've built this whole financial industry around the car. Industry has popped up around the car, right? Like you can get a loan to get your car. You can, um, you know, use your car as a way to get a, you know, liquidity or loan if you if you need a short. That's the whole market. Getting cash. a loan to get your car is like the whole whole art uh, whole car. Yeah, market now. <laughs> yeah, and then you can get a loan to like if you have your, you own your car, you need a loan. You need short term yeah. cash, right? You can buy your car and turn it into a yielding asset by like putting it on get around. You know, there's companies that buy like fleets of cars and put them at airports, and that's like a you know, it's a whole business model. And so, I think the same thing is going to happen with digital assets too, right? Like the same as it happened to physical assets. So, you know, with digital assets, you can, you know, with an NFT, you could you can imagine getting loans to buy NFTs. You can imagine like getting uh, liquidity on your NFT by borrowing against it, securing a uh, loan with it against the NFT, you know, etc. Right? Like there's like all these different things you can do. Um, you could lend it to someone. Um, and it's all, I think it's going to be much faster because they're all online already. So it's like you can put in a smart contract and make it like actually enforced through a programmable means, which is like way easier if you think about it than like what has to be done, like all the infrastructure to like lend you a car, right? Or something like that, or put, give you a loan against a car. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I think it's good that, you know, obviously the bad part is that like people are probably going to borrow against their highly speculative assets that are probably in like uh, due for a bear. <laughs> I was going to go say, you're taking term, a right? loan out against so like, your magic sword that you've got exactly. on quest. And like, ooh. So, so you know, like, that's probably not that great of an idea, especially at this moment. And then, like, the loan-to-value ratio that you get is probably going to be way higher than you deserve to, given the, dur- you know, the proven durability of these assets so far. Like, we don't know. Um, and so, you know, I think there's a lot of, like, uh, potential downside on a you know per user basis but i think it's actually it's probably good in general and like it's very interesting to me in general i want to go back to your experience at twitch and like did you expect i I think as a category that has blown up in a way that like a lot of people didn't even expect it like esports and the idea of esports even like perhaps being in, in the olympics and like it's become such a like big industry but I remember, you know, back in 2014 and, you know, not too long ago, people were very skeptical of this being actually a, a thing. And it has changed, like, the way, I mean, it's created so many different employment opportunities. And it's just, it's just, op- it, it's one, it, it has some interesting parallels to how, to where we are, I think, from a consumer application standpoint for crypto and specifically the metaverse. But I, I want to understand, like, personally for you, like, was it a surprise? Like, did, were you always, like, very bullish on, on, on like streaming and or were or part of it was just like were you blown away by the level of traction that you got yeah well, of course i mean i'd be like lying to you if i was like yeah we knew it all along i think we thought mm-hmm. in the best case scenario twitch could be a site that was kind of like the biggest video game site out, out there the biggest video game video site which was like at the time it was like gametrailers.com when mm-hmm. back in 2010 when we started working on twitch and so like obviously it's way bigger than that now it's like it's top 20 site in the u.s maybe like number 11 or something like that i don't i don't know it's pretty big right like and um obviously it's this internet phenomenon it's it's far surpassed what i ever thought it would be 
um, the funny thing about like now sitting here with like gaming NFTs, I'm like, oh, I've seen this movie before. Like <laughs> yeah. lots of people are like, this shit is a scam. It's not going to work. Why would mm -hmm. anyone want to do this? Like, but there's this hardcore, passionate base of core users, and you can extrapolate that behavior to like a much larger segment. And I'm like, you know, this is gonna like now. It's like I, when people are like, you know, I post a tweet storm about gaming NFTs or something. People like hate on it. I'm like, oh, I, it's okay. I get it. Like it's the same thing as like when we walked into like, you know, VCs offices in 2012 and tried to pitch them mm -hmm. Twitch, and they just were like, this is mm -hmm. stupid. You know, I don't get it. Like, yeah. Where do you see kind of this movie play out for uh, gaming and NFTs? Um, I think a lot of times we envision, I think Chris Dixon talks about like schemorphic concepts and like we, we think a lot about like things that are exist in Web2 and now we translate that and map it into a Web3 context and not so much attention is placed on entirely new use cases, applications that are possible because of certain unique properties of this technology. I'm curious, like, as you think about investing in the space, building in the space, what are some of the things that perhaps some people are too myopic and, and are not thinking about, but but you you think you are from a use case perspective or just applications that are, get you excited that you think are like probably not talked about as much? Well, the funny thing is I probably don't know what they are, right? Like, <laughs> right. I knew, like, I don't think I'm like, you know, I'm creative, a creative entrepreneur, and I think I like think of, lots of great ideas, but I don't think of all of them, right? And I think like there's going to be, you know, Fractal is kind of an obvious one of like, oh, let's create a marketplace that's focused on this specific vertical. And then, you know, like we talked about lending, I think there will be like lending marketplaces or lending, you know, tools to help people borrow and, and lend uh, NFTs. And, uh, you know, there'll be all this financialization like, you know, um, around, around NFTs. And there's probably going to be other ways that people, you know, like there's going to be all these like tooling around NFTs and like, you know, you're already starting to see it pop up with like ranking sites and rarity sites and, and all this stuff like that. And, but I think like, to me, the most interesting, maybe not the most interesting, but the most obvious, and I think the most enduring value things in this industry are going to be the games, right? Like the, the, it's going to be the next Fortnite. It's going to be the next, you know, they're, they're, you don't need to change the business model. Like there it doesn't, you don't need to invent something new. It's just going to be the game with this, 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 and with an NFT layer that's like, People already want to play games and they spend a huge amount of time in them, right? So like, I think those will be the companies where you're, if you're looking at Web3 gaming with NFTs, they're, those are going to be the big winners, you know? And so uh, I guess my bet would be like that how this movie plays out is like not necessarily that there's something new that we haven't discovered already that really changes the industry, uh, but rather just that the industry shifts over over the next 10 years until... You know, my my prediction would be that like uh, NFT related sales and business business models around selling NFTs and collecting royalties for NFTs for gaming companies will surpass you know free to play uh, non NFT related you know digital asset sales in ten years. You know, because just like free to play digital asset sales surpassed uh, you know probably around a decade in um, like selling the game upfront upfront fees for buying the game. You know. So to me, like, it's just like, this is the new business model. There's going to be a mix of new players and old players that engage in it. And uh, it's going to be, you know, probably make game, gaming even bigger. I think the biggest kind of barometer of this space is human capital. Like, from your perspective, are you seeing, um, you know, really, really good talent coming to the space across gaming or creatives, builders? Because um, I think for a long time, it felt like it was like, 
tier two engineers coming to crypto, a lot opportunistic. I feel that like part of the impetus for like folks like Sequoia coming into the space is like a lot of their portfolio companies just have had attrition and like some smart devs are just coming in and building. Um, I, I'm curious if, if you find that to be true from your perspective and from where you stand. 100%. Like that's true both in gaming talent and Silicon Valley, you know, traditional engineering talent. And like, I think there's an article in the New York Times about that, about this like a, a month ago, maybe where they were saying that the traditional fan companies, you know, these Facebooks and Googles can't retain talent because they're so, it's just so exciting to build in crypto for, for engineers. It's, it's exciting. It's fast, uh, you know, and, and you can have really amazing liquidity that's competitive with your fang salary and bonus like pretty quickly, you know, at, at least that potential. And so, you know, I've seen tons of, you know, even with Fractal, right, we've had people come from Google and Stripe and, you know, like a lot of like really high quality companies, they're leaving, they have a huge opportunity cost to come work with us because it's like people are excited about it. And so it is attracting that like tier, you know, top tier uh, Silicon Valley talent. And I, I think that's one of the most exciting, you know, reasons why I'm interested, you know, that's why I'm interested in it. I, uh, while you guys are talking about this, I'm looking at our Slack channel. We've got like a new Slack channel and I, someone just posted that the, uh, one of the senior people at Facebook, uh, Facebook and Instagram's like developer platform just left. Uh, he's been there. This guy, Chris Ackerman has been there for like a decade, just left to go to OpenSea to be their head of developer experience. So yeah, yeah. I think the talent's flooding in. I mean, I think going back to what you were saying, Justin, about just like, it's tough to predict what you can't predict. Right. And what we like. Yes, of course, the financialization of NFTs is going to happen. Yes, you're going to be able to take loans out against NFTs. Yes, in-game NFTs are going to happen. I think one of the coolest parts about working in crypto is, I mean, when HTML was created, right? You could predict that the New York Times would put their newspapers online. You definitely couldn't predict Uber and Snapchat, right? And so it's interesting to think about just like what the what NFTs, like, I feel like we can predict that there will be in-game NFTs and that there'll be marketplaces. And I think Fractal will be huge, but like, you can't predict the things like Uber and Snapchat that will come out of this stuff. And I think that's one of the coolest things. So Yeah, exactly. That's, that's what I, I always say that. Cause I'm like, I'm a programmer at heart and that's like what gets me fired yeah. up is that there's this opportunity to build all these different programmable experiences. Cause you're basically making this, you're putting this stuff on the open web, you know, and that's, what's, that's, what's exciting to me. Like we're, how are people going to use their NFTs as different access points or inter, points of interactivity with different applications in the future? I don't, I have no idea, but I'm, I'm excited to find out. Justin, let's wrap it up by just talking about Fractal for a sec. So what are the next, I, what does 2022 look like for you guys? What are you guys rolling out? What are you guys allowing folks to do that you could never maybe do in the past without Fractal? Let's just talk about that for a second. Then we can start to close this down. Yeah. So so Fractal is obviously gaming focused. We help uh, gaming, you know, gamers discover, buy and sell gaming assets uh, and, uh, and NFTs. And so uh, you know, we're, now we're working with game companies to be their primary launchpad for their new mints. So whenever they come out with a new NFT collection, we're helping them with that, helping them drop it to their audience, helping, uh, you know, create awareness in our community. And um, I think that's our, you know, kind of near-term focus is really focusing on the game companies. What do they want? What kind of infrastructure do they want for their NFTs and their mints and helping them deliver that and deliver a great experience to their their customers? So, um I feel like a lot of it is behind the scenes, you know, not that sexy. It's like helping these guys with rarity and like figuring out distribution of attributes and, you know, stuff like that, that like people don't really want to hear about, but like, that's what we're, that's what we're doing. And we really think of ourselves as like infrastructure for uh, the gaming companies to help them onboard the, you know, the hundred million gamers into crypto. Is there a world where 
uh, game just game developers and gaming studios instead of raising capital and instead of raising traditional venture rounds in the future just raise entirely through fractal by issuing nfts for their game uh pre-launch well yeah people are doing that now yeah so in a way this model is great because for game companies because it's non-dilutive capital uh to fund their project right to fund the the development of their game and so a lot of game companies you know in web3 games are are developing in the open by building a you know they're saying hey here's our plan and here's it's almost like kickstarter we're saying like you're investing i guess sin city um, did this yeah you're you're I mean, maybe investing is the wrong word you're buying an nft yeah instead of just buying a copy of the game you're getting an nft and you're getting assets that will like be useful in the game and in exchange you know you're helping us fund it so th these games are very community oriented in a way yeah awesome man well i'm excited for you i think it's gonna be big i think it's gonna be uh Really, really cool to just see you guys grow. Any uh, any call-outs for the listeners? We've got a bunch of gamers um, who listen to the show. Any Anything that you want, like any action items for folks to do? Yeah, make? of course. You know, like, so you can find more out, out about Fractal at Fractal Wagme on uh, Twitter and Discord. Those are our prim primary, uh, you know, channels. Um, and, you know, we're, we're building our team, always hiring. So if you're an engineer, wants to work in crypto or product manager or in sales and BD, community, you know, come check us out. Fractal.is is the website. Fractal.is. I think, I mean, you got to shout out the Twitter handle, which is the better. Yeah, Fractal yeah. Wagme. At Fractal yeah, Fractal you guys got like 100,000 Discord folks in like two days, if I remember correctly. Yeah, in like December, like we kind of grew our Discord really quickly. I had some really Christmas quick. FOMO. I, th I remember, I think it was around Christmas that it was happening. I was yeah. at my uh, uh, family's place. I was like, oh man, but this Fractal thing uh, is launching. <laughs> like it's <laughs> well, Christmas time. <laughs> come yeah. on. My, I figured that people were like, we want to launch around Christmas because uh, the community wanted it. And then I was like, well, you know, people are like, they're going to they're gonna be at home at Christmas on their computer, you know. No one does anything over Christmas. Christmas exactly. is a great time to launch. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, Justin, this is, this is a hell of an episode. It's really, really interesting. Appreciate you coming on, my friend. We're, uh, we're all rooting for you. Thanks for coming on. It's so exciting to see someone like you, you know, obviously do it again. And especially now in Web3. And I think a lot of people look up to you for what you've done. And uh, your parallels of you building Twitch is, are so applicable here. And for every, for a lot of the skeptics out there, you know, you heard it from, from Justin. And I think it's an inspiration for a lot of builders and, and people that are looking at this space from outside in. And so thank you for coming and sharing your story with us. Awesome. Thanks, guys.